Welcome to day 109 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are 2 Kings chapter 6 through 8 and Psalm 46. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapters 6 and 7 tell three stories that all relate to Elisha and his unique prophetic power and giftedness. It's not clear that the events are given in chronological order, but rather they seem to be placed in order of their length and they are here just simply to celebrate the power of God at work in Elisha's life. The first story in chapter 6 verses 1 through 7 is rather brief and compared to the others is somewhat trivial. The community of prophets of which Elisha appears to be the leader is ready to build a bigger dwelling. While they're out gathering lumber, one of the prophets had their borrowed axe head fall into the Jordan River, and miraculously, Elisha has the ability to retrieve it by first making it float to the surface. The second story, chapter 6, verses 8 through 23, is a little longer and more serious, but has its own share of comedy behind the scenes. Elisha keeps tipping off the king of Israel about the secret movements of the warring Arameans. Elisha's insights are like having a spy in the ranks giving the secret plans of the king of Aram away. The king of Aram sends men to go and capture Elisha. Apparently, Elisha has the prophetic power to open and close eyes. He opens the eyes of his servant first to see the surrounding help of God in the form of fiery horses and chariots. But then he can close the eyes of those who have come to capture him, but then he can reopen their eyes again after he's led them into Samaria. Shaken by their whole experience, Elisha shows the men mercy and lets them go home. The third story, chapter 6, verse 24, all the way through the rest of chapter 7, is the lengthiest and by far the most serious. The Arameans, and now the named King Ben-Hadad, surround the capital city of Samaria and cut off its supplies. The desperation is vividly revealed in the horrific story of the woman who, in the perverse version of the dilemma Solomon faced earlier in 1 Kings, asked the king to decide or make a judgment between she and another woman about their children after they've killed and eaten this woman's baby. Oddly, rather than asking for help from Elisha, the king places blame for this famine on the man of God. Even though he's not asked for help, Elisha responds with the word of hope to the messenger, or maybe the hitman, sent to him by the king. Outsiders, four men with skin diseases, are the ones to discover God's redemptive activity. Perhaps the heavenly armies that Elisha's servant was able to see were heard by the Arameans, and they fled in fear, leaving everything behind. As has been typical in the Elisha narratives, the people on the margins trust God and experience the providential care from Yahweh, while those in power, like the king, struggle to believe, and they fail to see or experience God's redemptive care firsthand. Chapter 8 is an admittedly strange passage in which characters described earlier in Kings but then forgotten are brought back up and their stories continued. The Shunammite woman, whose son Elisha healed, is cared for not just during a famine, but permanently given land and a future. Hazael, whom Elijah was told to anoint as king of Aram way back in 1 Kings 19, he finally takes the throne from Ben-Hadad, but in a way that is subversive and violent. Hazael will be the source of problems for Israel, problems that the narrator views as divine judgment, but which nevertheless cause Elisha to weep. 
The chapter ends by briefly shifting its gaze from Ephraim or Israel to Judah. The text lets us know that the fifth king of Judah, after the divide, was Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram. He ruled for eight years, and he married Ahab's daughter and led the people into evil and idolatry. He was succeeded by his son Ahaziah, who ruled for only one year in Jerusalem, and he, too, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. The psalm text for today, Psalm 46, has opening verses that are some of my favorite in all of the psalms. God is our refuge and strength, a help always near in times of great trouble. That's why we won't be afraid when the world falls apart, when the mountains crumble into the center of the sea, when its waters roar and rage, when the mountains shake because of its surging waves. There's a river whose streams gladden God's city, the holiest dwelling of the Most High. God is in that city. It will never crumble. God will help it when morning dawns. Nations roar. Kingdoms crumble. God utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of heavenly forces is with us. The God of Jacob is our place of safety. The texts for today are a bit scattered, but they are a reminder that in the midst of constant political upheaval and turmoil, the primary story of God is being written through common people and prophetic voices on the margins of society. The nations may roar and kingdoms crumble, but God is our refuge and strength. Read these texts carefully, looking for insights and truths you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions. And know that the Lord of heavenly forces is with you. The God of Jacob is your place of safety. Our readings for tomorrow are 2 Kings chapters 9-11. through I'll talk to you tomorrow.